at Gaya House. <laughs> I want to continue our Dhamma talk on uh, our practice. <coughs> Can you hear me? All good. Uh, this practice is called uh, direct or straight path. In uh, Pali it is called Ekai no Maggo. Ekai no that is uh, translated into various languages, including English, in different ways. Some people call it the only way, then other people get offended. How can that be the only way? So to please them, some others say, this is the direct way. That uh, is not that offensive. Other people say it is the only direct way. <laughs> I think I stick with the only direct way. <laughs> Why it is called the only direct way? Uh, when we call it the only direct way, we don't uh, dismiss the other ways. Other ways are indirect ways. Indirect ways takes a little longer time. You go <coughs> zigzag here and there, getting uh, involved in various things, wherever the mind goes, wherever there is temptation, attraction, so you go there. Uh, it is like a little child, if you uh, if the mother asks the child to go get uh, Mm-hmm. Um, headache pills like aspirin. She is having a terrible headache, so she sends this child to the 
drugstore, on the way the child will see a little butterfly. He would look at the butterfly, enjoy the beauty of the butterfly, and uh, spend some time there, and then goes to go some distance and then he finds uh, little puppies. He would play with these puppies and spend some time. Then he goes some distance and he finds some other children playing. So he would play with those children and it, you know, forgets his, uh, the urgency of his message. So finally he ends up in the drugstore and get the drugs on the way back again he spent a lot of time with uh, various other things, might find a little kitten, few birds and uh, some frogs and little ponds and few fish and so forth. So he would spend all this time and come back. Mother is furious. <laughs> she is suffering here at home with terrible headache. This little child you know, very innocent child, he doesn't uh, know this, comes home very late. This is what happens when you follow the indirect ways, <laughs> crooked ways. We are, you are dragged here, dragged there, and uh, eventually you get there, but it will take a very, very long time. And Buddha said, Anya hilabhupanisa, Anya nibbanagamini, some uh, follows the path which uh, uh, brings them some material uh, happiness. That is what many people like. You know, many people, if you are someone, uh, I remember very famous uh, Sri Lankan monk, he appeared in a very famous uh, video. It was, the video is called Long Search. Probably some of you might have watched that uh, video, documentary. The, the man who produced the video asked this monk, it's a very famous, very famous, very popular, very learned monk in Sri Lanka. He asked, uh, do you want to attain enlightenment soon? He said, no, no, I'm not in a hurry. <laughs> I have plenty of things to do. I take it easy. I don't want to break my neck <laughs> by, by rushing. I take it easy. And that is the uh, indirect way. They, they want to stay in samsara and uh, you know, do all kinds of things, enjoy samsara and so forth and so on. And the other way is called direct way. Only direct way. And sometimes it is called uh, Uju, Uju And you read in the Pali tradition when uh, we recite the qualities of the Sangha, you call Ujupati Panno Bhagavato Savaka Sangha. The noble disciples of the Buddha are following direct path, Ujjumadga. 
and Buddha himself said in many places, Ujjumagrammyakhata gachyatamanivatata. I have declared the direct way. Proceed, don't stop. And this is called direct path, only direct path, because it uh, uh, makes your attainment very quick. quick. <coughs> this direct path is right under your nose. That is why I call the full enlightenment is under your nose. <laughs> you, you don't see that. How, can there be anything closer than that? <laughs> and yet we don't pay any attention to it, we ignore it. And uh, this direct path you know, when there is a path, there has to be uh, a vehicle to go on the path. Sometimes it is said the path exists, but no traveler. Suffering exists, but no sufferer. Attainment exists, but no attainer. That is a very profound riddle. Uh, let me put it aside, but on this direct path, I tell you what it is, why it is direct later on, let me explain this first. I, uh, Buddha had the uh, vehicle, very powerful vehicle, and he rode in this vehicle and drove on this path. And the path is called straight path, Ujjuko Nama Somaggo. The path is called Ujjumagga, direct path. And the direction we go is called Abhaya, fearlessness. I mean direction is without fear. The goal is without any fear. When you practice uh, meditation, in uh, commentaries you come across various kind of knowledges. One is called bhayanyana, knowledge of fear. Have you heard of it? knowledge of fear. And if the Buddha says the direction is without fear, how can there be any fear? What is the fear? <coughs> of what that fear is a wholesome fear. Fear arises from uh, greed. But this fear arises from, not from greed. 
as I said, greed also has two aspects, wholesome greed and unwholesome greed, or wholesome desire or unwholesome desire. Unwholesome desire is a desire to perpetuate desire. Wholesome desire is desire to be desireless. That's a wholesome desire. So when you follow this path, you have wholesome desire. And fear arises from desire. And therefore the fear also has to be wholesome fear and unwholesome fear. If fear arises from unwholesome fear, unwholesome desire, then that fear is unwholesome fear. If the fear arises from wholesome desire, then that fear must be wholesome. How can there be wholesome fear? The fear normally arises from unwholesome desire. And that is why Buddha said, Tanna Jayati Soko, Tanna Jayati Bhayam. Tanna Jayati Bhayam. Fear arises from Tanna, craving, desire. And that craving, therefore, is necessarily unwholesome desire. But when you meditate, <coughs> there arises another fear from desirelessness. What is that fear? That fear is you are arousing your spiritual urgency. In Pali it is called Dhamma Sangvega. Vega means speed. In Sinhalese we say Vegen Yanava. Vegan eleven, meaning going fast. Vega means speed. Sang Vega means additional speed. <laughs> you are going over speed. Soon you will get a ticket. You even might lose your license, driver's license. But don't worry. Go as fast as you can. It is called Sangvega. I think you have heard this word Dhamma Sangvega. <laughs> it is, you know, very beautiful term. Sangvega means uh, excessive speed, over speed, additional speed, and uh, uh, when you speed up, this fear arises. Naturally, when you, with the greed, when, with the greed, if you speed up, you have fear. When you speed up without fear, also there will be a fear. What is this fear? When you meditate, you will see everything is impermanent. Everything is permanently impermanent. When you see everything is permanently impermanent, then you uh, want to get rid of it. You see every sankhara, 
every conditional thing, conditioned thing, is impermanent. And then you think, well, I have lived so many lives in samsara. I have not got rid of this sankhara. Sankhara <laughs> are the provision for you to travel in samsara. Right? Sankhara is the provision, the backpack for you to go on this journey in samsara. <laughs> These two words have very beautiful meaning. Uh, so, you see, all these sankharas are impermanent, unsatisfactory, and without self. Your desire is to get rid of that, and you don't know when. When you remember how much pain and suffering you have gone through, you want to get rid of it. Then fear arises. If I do not get rid of this now, I have to go through the whole thing all over again. My goodness, how can I go through my childhood again? The same, see the amount of pain and suffering you went through in growing, growing pain, growing suffering. You have not stopped it. You have not stopped this growing. We are still growing. Up to certain point we grow up, after that we grow, grow down. <laughs> Either we grow. Either we grow up or grow down. There is no end to that. And there then fear arises. That is not the fear of coming from desire. That is the fear that you want to liberate yourself from fear, from greed. So Buddha said this path is without fear coming from unwholesome desire, no fear. The so direction is without fear. And that is why Buddha said, Ujjumagami Akhata Gachata Manivatata The direct path is shown, proceed, don't stop, because the end is without fear. Now the road is there, you are traveling, then Buddha had his vehicle. This vehicle is called Rato Akujanonam. The, the vehicle is a much beautiful name is given to the vehicle. You have, uh, you know, Mercedes, Benz, Rolls Royce and so forth, you know, Bentley and all these most expensive vehicles. Nothing compared to this vehicle. <laughs> this vehicle is called 
a calm because no sound whatsoever akujana this vehicle does not make any sound any noise no matter how powerful your vehicles are now they all make some noise the buddha's vehicle does not make any noise therefore it is called noiseless vehicle akujano ratho akujano naam ratho ratha means vehicle akujana means no noise engine is so quiet <laughs> superb perfect clean pure that is why it doesn't make any noise not because of the petrol you put in you put it in so ratho akujano naam its weak its wheels are called dhamma chakra dhamma chakra is sanyuto the wheel of this vehicle are eight this must be very powerful vehicle and it's called dhamma chakra is sanyuto and <coughs> ratho akujano naam dhamma chakke sanyito hiritasa apalambo the 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 shaft of this vehicle is called hiri hiri means the shame of doing something wrong that means your conscience conscience is the shaft because you always come to your conscience you don't do anything to make your conscience prick your mind then uh hirita sapalambo satyas parivarana the rail uh of the vehicle is called truth mindfulness not sati mindfulness and it's it has a driver this driver has a perfect name the driver's name is called dhamma dhamma han sarthim rumi sarthi means driver the driver's name is sarathi but i'm sorry the driver's name is dhamma and dhamma han sarathi bhumi samma ditti pure java the this vehicle is driven uh, or drawn by a horse its name is uh, samadhiti right view right understanding and buddha said now you can see the vehicle samadhiti purojanam yasya etaj sanjanam ittya purusasava 
So we talk about vehicles, small vehicle, big vehicle, you know, uh, and this is the Buddha's vehicle. And remember this vehicle, very powerful vehicle. So we all are riding on this vehicle. We all, you all are passengers, including me. Our driver is Dhamma. Dhamma Saratim Bhumi. So we follow this Dhamma uh, that brings us direct to Nibbana. And what is this Dhamma that direct, directly takes us to Nibbana? is called Sati. Satyahang Sarathim Brumi. Sati. And that is what we practice. And therefore Buddha called it the only direct way. Friends, it doesn't matter what else we do, how many other things we do until we practice mindfulness, our attainment of liberation is impossible. There are many ways of attaining liberation. <coughs> there are five ways given in uh, Anguttara Nikaya. Five ways. One, is uh, teaching Dhamma. While teaching Dhamma, one can attain liberation. Can you remember anybody attaining enlightenment by teaching Dhamma? You might have uh, read or heard uh, individuals attaining enlightenment by listening to Dhamma. But have you come across anybody who attained enlightenment by teaching Dhamma? I know one. His name is Khemaka. His record is listed or mentioned in Sanyutta Nikaya. Sanyutta Nikaya. This Venerable Khemaka was quite sick and uh, there were a group of elderly monks. They asked him a question. <coughs> Answering this a long story, I'm, I just want to mention only this part because it is, uh, if I were to tell you that story, uh, it takes 
long time. But just remember the name of this monk, Kemaka. Answering the questions of this monk, he was so contemplating, he was so mindful, he attained enlightenment. And all the monks who listened to his talk also attained enlightenment simultaneously. This is one incident. So Buddha said, one can attain enlightenment by giving Dhamma sermons. Because one who gives Dhamma sermons with understanding gets deeply involved in the Dhamma and sharpens that person's own insight, wisdom, clarity in the mind to express things clearly for people to understand easily. And while doing so, <coughs> he attains, attains, he or she attains enlightenment. Secondly, while listening to Dhamma, one can attain enlightenment. I tell you why, how this happened after giving the list of all this list. Thirdly, while chanting, one can attain enlightenment. You select very uh, devotional, meaningful discourse and chant it with deep understanding, not only simply focusing mind on your voice. Normally when we chant, we, we uh, uh, We, we are very pleased with our own voice. That is why we like chanting. <coughs> and sometimes listeners also may enjoy chanting if your voice is really good. If your voice is good enough only for yourself, you enjoy your voice. Sometimes your beautiful voice may not be that good enough for others to enjoy. <laughs> anyway, while chanting, you enjoy, you attain enlightenment. And the fourth way is you take up a very deep, profound Dhamma uh, Sutra and focus your mind on reading it, investigating it, understanding the meaning of that particular discourse and then you attain enlightenment. Lastly, by sitting, meditating, you attain enlightenment. That's what we do. <coughs> now, how is it possible for somebody to attain enlightenment by teaching, listening, chanting, investigating, and meditating? All these individuals who attain the stages of enlightenment, either first, second, third, or fourth, they all have to teach, listen, practice devotion, devotional chanting, investigate and meditate with mindfulness. With mindfulness. That is why mindfulness, Buddha always calls the path or direct path. 
no matter what else you do, you cannot attain enlightenment. <coughs> uh, direct path goes through the four levels of mindfulness. That is called mindfulness of the body, feeling, uh, consciousness and mental activities, which called Dhamma. And each of them we have to practice with mindfulness. What is mindfulness? <coughs> Why it is so important? It is extremely difficult to give the definition of mindfulness in very few words for everybody to understand. Sometimes we give um, a talk on mindfulness for one hour, one and a half hours. At the end, people ask, uh, they listen very carefully, they listen. At the end, they ask, uh, Bhante, I have a question. What is it? Bhante, what is mindfulness? <laughs> we spend the whole hour <laughs> explaining. At the end, they ask, what is it? Because it is, uh, on the one hand, it is extremely simple. On the other hand, when you complicate it, the simple thing becomes very confused, confusing. Very difficult. <clears throat> In the simplest language, if I were to say what mindfulness is, it is paying attention to our body, our feelings, our states of mind, and various mental contents called Dhamma, paying attention to them without greed, hatred and delusion. With a very clear, pure, impartial state of mind, paying attention to them. Now, when greed arises, while we are paying attention to all these states, we become aware of the fact that greed is arisen in the mind. And there again we practice mindfulness by paying attention to that particular mental state without greed. <coughs> and the second definition is remembering to pay attention to these mental states without prejudice, greed, hatred and delusion. Only thing we don't remember. Since we do not remember, we don't pay attention to them. Thirdly, pay attention to these, these four uh, stages, four things. In the present moment, while they are happening, no before, no after. 
As I mentioned yesterday, for example, when certain uh, sensation arises, we pay attention to that particular sensation by isolating that sensation from all other sensations. We can do that. And <clears throat> this kind of mindful attention uh, brings us direct understanding, direct awareness only if we do not mix it with something else. Normally when we try to pay attention, uh, we, we want to name it, we want to label it, we want to use some concept and without direct mindful attention is paying attention without concept, labels or names. You know, uh, we say you pay attention to uh, whatever you are doing. Uh, when you pay attention to that, uh, what we see there, if we pay attention to it very carefully, mindfully, what we see there is constant movement, changes. Uh, for example, uh, we, uh, you write something. <coughs> when you are writing, while your hand is moving and pen is moving, uh, letters are appearing, words are appearing on the paper, uh, what is happening? Changes. Every tiny little moment, movement you make to write, changes take place. Your mind has to think and the mental state changes. You got to feel, you feel while you are writing, that feeling changes. I say, and also all the five aggregates are involved in any tiny little activity. For example, you cannot snap your finger without all the five aggregates getting involved. You know that? When you snap our finger, the fingers are formed. Without this form we cannot make the snap. And when we snap the finger, we feel finger snapping. We have to think. It, 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 it doesn't happen automatically. We have to think how to snap the finger. And we become fully conscious of it. Without consciousness we cannot do that. And we perceive, we hear the finger snap. So you can see all the five aggregates are involved in it. And see all of them, how quickly they changed. The, the friction of our two fingers changed. The feeling that arose when we are snapping the finger changes. 
changes. And the thought that we want to do these changes, and our perception of that finger snap changes, and our awareness, consciousness of finger snap changes. So, when we pay mindful attention to this finger snap, we can see how quickly things change. What is the big deal? Why do we want to know the changes or impermanence? Why? In mindfulness training we learn when we uh, pay attention to something, things are changing. When things are changing, our uh, this is very subtle thing, it may not happen very quickly. In your mind you may take sometimes, you, you uh, definitely will take a long time to understand and uh, really comprehend it. Uh, our mind generally uh, wants to uh, cling to something, hold on to something. Particularly if the experience happens to be something pleasant, naturally mind wants to hold on to it. It's a very built, natural, built up uh, tendency in our mind, very natural. We don't call it right or wrong, but that is the very natural nature of our mind, holding on to something pleasant. When we have a pleasant experience, mind wants to hold on to it. When we have unpleasant experience, mind is trying to reject it. When there is a neutral experience, mind really gets confused. It does not uh, know what to do, whether to accept or reject. So these are the three types of reactions we, our mind always go through all the time when we have certain experience. It is so subtle and deep and quick, we have no uh, way to know it very quickly unless we train the mind. So when something is very pleasant, experience is very, very pleasant, this pleasant experience arises through our eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body and mind. When this experience arises, at that very instant mind wants to hold on to it because it is pleasant. Unfortunately, even before the mind reaches that particular experience, that experience slips away. New experience arises and then mind tries to grab onto them and then it dis disappears and new experience arises. So, uh, the desire wants to hold on to pleasant experiences, but the pleasant experiences disappears and disappear very quickly. So here we have a friction. On the one hand things are changing very quickly, on the other hand, mind is trying to hold on to this quickly changing experience. I give you an example, a simile. 
assimilate. It is just like trying to focus uh, a, uh, uh, place a mustard seed on the tip of a moving needle. A needle is moving very fast and the mustard seed itself is round and you are trying to place that mustard seed on the moving needle and you end up in frustration because it is almost impossible task. Similarly, our desire is trying to hold on to something which is always slipping away and uh, it, uh, what we call, uh, pulls the rug under your feet very quickly, it betrays you and that is called frustration. That is what is called suffering. So when we are mindful, we are not trying to stop it. By being mindful you cannot make impermanent permanent. When we, when we are mindful we will see impermanent is permanently impermanent. And trying to grab hold on to impermanent things is a useless waste of time. We see that. And therefore, we just accept impermanence as impermanence and experience the pleasant experience as pleasant experience knowing this pleasant experience is impermanent. We don't deny pleasantness. When the pleasant experience arises, we, we fully experience it, we go through that experience without trying to hold on to it, without trying to stop it, without trying to stop it from changing. And then when something unpleasant arises, <coughs> we want, we try to reject it. No matter how hard we try to reject, unpleasantness definitely arises in the mind. We don't accept it, we want to reject it and we wish it not to arise, but it arises due to uh, our mental state. And when we are mindful, even that we go through without trying to stop it being unpleasant. So the pleasantness and unpleasantness both we treat equally. That is the task of mindfulness. When we are mindful, we uh, neither accept one or reject the other, but we look at both with the even mind, with balanced state of mind. When we look at our experiences with the balanced, equanimous, uh, impartial, attitude, then we can move on with our life without getting too much distressed, uh, obsessive, compulsive, greedy behavior. Greed will, uh, can reduce in uh, two levels. 
one very gross level other is subtle level we first through powerful mindfulness training we reduce the gross level first obsessive level first and then eventually when we are mind our mindfulness is very sharp deep powerful almost perfect then the subtle level will disappear friends in one meditation sitting in one retreat in one week meditation this will not happen don't try to reduce all of them in this retreat and you break your neck but it is very good for us to understand the way how it works and buddha said this is the direct way no matter what else we do until we understand that is why buddha said samadhiti purejava mindfulness goes first and i'm, i'm sorry understanding goes first not mindfulness understanding goes first in the <coughs> uh, when we understand without understanding no matter how hard we try to do this we cannot do it and therefore the first thing we must do through the practice of mindfulness is understanding when we practice mindfulness our understanding increases we because the mind becomes clearer and clearer and clearer and confusion will slowly fade away and mind becomes sharp clean clear pure we gain concentration now uh, even uh, during our uh, walking some people ask me questions i mentioned this to them i want to repeat it again for the benefit of everybody how mindfulness and concentration work together in the buddha's teaching there are no two separate meditation systems although sometimes people say practice mindfulness don't worry about concentration practice mindfulness mindfulness that's all buddha taught others say don't worry about mindfulness practice concentration that's all buddha taught so they have uh, come up with two different schools samatha practice and vipassana practice friends in the buddha's meditation system there is only one system that is the combination of samatha vipassana there are many discourses um, i don't have time to mention them to bring them out bring them out what it does what these two systems uh, do is uh, say one day you your mindfulness is very good you cannot concentrate mind is just monkey mind all kind of problems all kind of difficulties all kind of ups and downs restless and worry and so forth that they practice mindfulness look at all of them let all this come and you will see only one thing in all of them 
one thing. What is that? They all are impermanent. All are impermanent. When one particular mental state arises, it is not going to be with you forever. It disappears. Another mental state arises. That also stays for a while and disappears. It doesn't matter how many thousands of things arise, in all of them you will see this invariable, impermanent nature. They all are impermanent. Just pay attention to it and understand this is impermanent, this is impermanent. Don't say in words. Don't say in words. Simply pay attention to it and see how it arises, how long it stays, how it disappears. And this is exactly what the Buddha said with regard to hindrances. Uh, say, greed. Ajatang kama chandang, atime ajatang kama chandutipajanati. When greed arises, we become mindful of the fact that greed arose. Asantang ajatang kama chandang, natime ajatang kama chandutipajanati. When greed is not in the mind, be mindful of that. Anupannasa kama chandasa upado hoti. If unarisen greed arises in the mind, be mindful. This greed was not in the mind before. Now it arose. Be mindful of it. Uppannasa kama chandas pahinang hoti pancha pajanati. Greed arose and it disappeared. Be mindful of that. So the big deal. Yathasa pahinasa kama chandas I think anuppada hoti pancha pajanati. When the greed that disappeared does not arise again, that also you should know. So there are five stages to see the same thing. Five, five stages. Similarly, when any other mental state arises, just become mindful of it. This was not there before, now it arose. Anger was not there, now it anger arose. Sitting in meditation, somebody, you know, moves here and there, making a lot of noise, uh, coughing, sneezing, and standing, and moving cushions and opening the door, throwing the, 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 the chair is moving and sitting bench is throwing and, uh, you know, wearing uh, noisy clothes and uh, fist watch is beeping and the telephone is ringing. So many things happen every time you are disturbed. Then you get so irritated, you get angry. Then look at your mind. This anger was not there before, this irritation was not there before, due to this, that arose. When he stopped his uh, noise, this irritation goes away. And after a while, it doesn't arise again, and so forth. Look at the way how the mind reacts to the sounds, the noises, disturbances. So you are training your mind to look at the mind, the way, to see how the mind works, what the mind does. In all of them you see they are all impermanent. This noise coming from outside is impermanent. Irritation that arose in the mind is impermanent and so forth and so on. So, 
So one day when you are sitting in, in meditation, uh, all this happens, you cannot concentrate at all. No big deal. Use this very disturbing external object, internal object, internal disturbance, just watch them. Friends, this is very true practice of vipassana. Don't worry, don't disturb yourself, don't get upset, don't get angry, don't blame anybody, don't feel guilty. Just be mindful, pay attention to it and be aware of it. And all you see there is impermanence. And then, after all these things, you take it easy, let it go, and then slowly you will gain some degree of concentration. If you gain concentration, stay with your concentration. When you are fortunate enough, suppose you gain so deep, so good, clear con concentration, you even can attain jhanas. First jhana, second jhana and so forth. When you gain jhana, what do you do with the jhani concentration? Use that jhani concentration to practice mindfulness more uh, clearly and more strongly. So, concentration is sandwiched between beginning mindfulness and ending mindfulness. Beginning mindfulness is gross. Ending mindfulness is sharp, subtle, and deep, profound. Why? Now this ending mindfulness is combined with concentration. That mindfulness arose from concentration. First mindfulness is not con without concentration. So the first mindfulness you develop and gain concentration. You know, every concentration meditation uh, discourse that Buddha delivered, invariably he mentioned there must be two things uh, present. One is sati and other is sampajanya. Mindfulness and clear comprehension must be present in gaining concentration. That means you gain mindfulness, clear comprehension, in order to gain concentration. And then use that concentration to focus the mind on deeply rooted psychic irritants called asava. Asava means, uh, asava has a very big meaning. Uh, in uh, Ayurvedic tradition, asava means those uh, things that uh, brood. Uh, you get all kind of, uh, you know, leaves, uh, roots, and nuts, and so forth, and pound them and uh, pour water and bury underground for long period of time and make a big, powerful concoction uh, as, a, as a medicine. Uh, or you brew, uh, you know, liquor. So, when you brew something for long period of time, it becomes very powerful. 
Similarly, we have brood our defilements in samsara form, many, 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 many lives. And therefore our greed, hatred and delusion are very powerful, strong, and therefore they are called asavas. Kamasava, Bhavasava, Avijasava and so forth, there are names for that. And when we are mindful, with concentration, this uh, concentration with powerful mindfulness, we focus on these asavas, these uh, deeply rooted psychic irritants or kinesas, to uproot them. And therefore, these two are not two separate meditation systems. This is one system with two parts. Two parts. Uh, so, uh, one day you will sit to medita meditate, you gain concentration very quickly. That day you concentrate practice concentration. Even you can gain jhanas. And then use that concentration to practice mindfulness and deepen your mindfulness to the perfection level. So, my, this is why the Buddha said this is the direct way because you are not losing anything. You have to be insightful, you have to be wise to use your mindfulness to make it more meaningful. And then liberation is, attainment of enlightenment is not too far. Don't postpone thinking I have so many things to do, I have not written my last will, uh, I have, my children are not married yet, uh, my business still is going on very well, I don't want to, you know, stop that, and so forth and so on. Uh, I just got a very good uh, job and I want to enjoy my job and so forth. You may give thousands of excuses to postpone while enjoying your life. Try to uh, remove some of these psychic irritants in this very life and at least try to gain at least the first level of, or first jhana at least. And then maybe first level of enlightenment. Try, try very hard. Don't give up. So with mindfulness it is possible. And that is why the Buddha said this is the direct path. Uh, everything else you do eventually will get you there. But it's very, very long time. <laughs> okay, I think this is enough for as a Dhamma talk today.